Welcome to Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, it's awesome to be here with you this morning because why? This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's rejoice, shall we? Thank you, God. What a day. What a day. It's a good day to have some food at the food trucks as well. I encourage you to just hang around afterwards. Just a couple things. Uh, John Michael mentioned it earlier, but if you are new here, first time, you've been coming for some weeks or maybe months, I want to just personally invite you to meet the pastors afterwards. I mean, lunch is on us. It's going to be great. A chance to learn more about the church. I'd love a chance to meet you. And so I encourage you to stop by. You can go to the information desk there, and they can help you and direct you forward in that way. But I also want to highlight something that's new. As we're beginning this new series today, this is something you're going to see every single weekend. And you'll see that, first of all, by use of the sermon notes. And these are available at the tables as you come in. They're also available online. But every single weekend, we're providing more uh, sermon notes, deeper sermon notes. And to the left, you're going to see QR codes there to watch the sermon afterwards, maybe with someone, a digital bulletin there, or you know, to join a group to figure that out, making it easy for everybody. And then if you flip that over, we have two discussion guides based on the sermon that's being preached that weekend. One is for families. So you can go home to your kids and talk about the sermon with your kids and with your families. The other is for you individually or for your group to take this deeper because we're trying to drive the discipleship deeper in terms of the messages that we preach but also how we live our daily lives. So I encourage you to check that out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word. And in the beginning, there were words. Think about this. When God desired to bring everything into existence, he could have merely just willed things to happen. And instead, he chose to use the power of his words. In fact, his first recorded words in the Bible are, let there be light. And there was light. And then we learn through the use of his words, he started naming other things. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And you and I have been using these descriptive words ever since. But then God continued doing this by speaking other things into existence that he named the sky, the land, the seas, vegetation. The sun, moon, and stars, and the creatures of the waters, and the creatures on the earth. Every single word reflected God's power, his creative nature, and his sovereignty over all things. Yes, the infinite and almighty God made himself known throughout this entire universe by the power of his words. In fact, over and over again in the beginning chapters of Genesis, we see these game-changing, life-giving words. Then God said. And then by using his words, God created human beings. God created us. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Friends, God's word tells us that you and I were created in his image. And what does that mean? Well, for one, it means that since God is creative and has the ability to transform things by use of his words, so do we. So do we. In fact, in Genesis 2, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now, I underline those last three words for a reason. While some versions of the Bible render those words as living soul, there's something deeper I want us to kind of contemplate here. You see, the Hebrew root words translated as living being or living soul can literally be translated as speaking spirit. Speaking spirit. So we're more than just dust from the ground. God has breathed his spirit of life within us. And this means that we are physical in nature, but we're also spiritual in nature. You and I are speaking spirits. And it's why we're the only creation on the earth that can communicate using the power of our words. And through our words, we can communicate our hearts, our feelings, our dreams, our hopes, our plans. And while some animals can understand some of the use of our words, they can't speak using words that are unable to communicate what they're feeling because they're physical in nature, not spiritual in nature. You see, there is something quite significant and powerful about the words that we speak. And think about this. There are about 800,000 words in the English language. 800,000. About 300,000 of these words are technical in nature and only used by specialists within various fields. This leaves, for the rest of us, about 500,000 words to use. And yet the average human being only knows about 10,000 words and uses only about 5,000 of them in everyday speech. That's still a lot. And some of us here today use those 5,000 words every day several times over. I'm not pointing any fingers, right? I'm not looking at anybody in particular because I'm the one talking right now. And since I am, please allow me the opportunity to remind you of something I said earlier. In fact, it's really something that God's word says. I was just repeating it. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus, the word, took on human flesh in order to be with us and rescue us. We've been singing about that this morning. In fact, the Old Testament had long predicted this. It said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So God came to us as the word in order to bring the word so that we would be changed by his words. It leads to the first lesson today. Words connect us to God. Words connect us to God. That's why we're told in scripture, for example, to shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Words connect us with God. 
They connect us to the very one who made us and loves us. And this was God's intent from the very beginning. That's why his word tells us. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what we learn is that God created this beautiful place for mankind to live. And it was within this magnificent garden there were so many different kinds of trees. And yet in the middle of the garden stood only two. The tree of life and a tree we would later know as the tree of death. I wonder if these two trees have anything to do with the use of our words. Well, a few verses later, the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So think about this. Two trees would remain before Adam every single day. Every day he would walk by them and consider his choice between them. But before we learn of Adam's choice between the trees, we learn of some other choices that God gave Adam to make. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. You see, since Adam was made in God's image, and since God had previously used his words to name the day and the night, the sky, the land, and the seas, it was now Adam's turn to do the same. So Adam used various words when naming all those various animals. But then something curious happened. God saw that since his creatures, you know, he had made, did not have a spirit, they therefore could not speak and serve as companions for Adam. So Adam was very much alone. So God made someone suitable for him. Someone who could walk and talk with him. For you see, words not only connect us to God, words connect us to each other. Or they should. That's what they were originally designed to do. And it seems for a while that's exactly what they did. For just a short while after God gave him this special woman, the Bible says, Adam named his wife Eve. How? With words. Because she would become the mother of all the living. What we soon learn from scripture, of course, is that sharing words with one another would soon lead to reproducing with one another. Not a lot has changed. Adam and Eve in a garden of trees. At least that's the way it was supposed to be if not for some words that were spoken previously. You see, before Adam and Eve spoke any words to each other, the Bible tells us Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Adam and Eve in a garden of trees, free from shame. Yes, that's the way it was supposed to be. But then we open up the pages of Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Words, trees. Remember, there were two trees in the middle of that garden, the tree of life and the tree of death. The serpent 
Well, he skillfully and deceptively drew her attention away from one tree and so that she could more focus on the other, which she did. And eventually she ate from it. The tree of death, that is. After all, I mean, why settle for reflecting God's image when you could be just like God? At least that's what the serpent told her would happen to her through the use of his words. So she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And these words, friends, tell us that Adam was right there with his wife, listening to every deceptive word. And while she took a bite quickly, Adam waited quietly before soon buying what the serpent was selling them deceptively. And what happened next? Words. Inquiring words. For after hiding and covering to try to make up for all that they had been doing, God soon spoke to them. He asked a question. Where are you? And what happened next? Words. Remember, words were meant to connect us to God. Words were meant to connect us to each other. But now sin had stepped in, which disconnected us from God, which disconnected us from each other. For Adam and Eve had ignored that tree of life because they were so enamored with that tree of death. And as a result, their words and our words would never be the same again. For the Old Testament had told us the tongue has the power of life and death. Why? Well, because Adam and Eve ignored the tree of life so they might eat from the tree of death. And since this was the case, Adam now spoke with the only words he could think of in that moment. Words of death that came in the form of blame. Blame. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Words. Words of blame that communicated, God, this horrible result is, first of all, your fault. You gave her to me. I didn't ask her for you. No, I didn't ask. No, no. It's a gift. At least that's how it was intended. And God, this horrible outcome is, secondly, now her fault. She ate first, so what in the world was I supposed to do? And we have been blaming and sinning and hurting one another ever since. Yes, the tongue has the power of life and death. But not just in a moment. You see, our words have lasting impact. Remember those two trees? Based on Proverbs 18, Jesus spoke. And Jesus likened the human heart to a tree and the words of the mouth to the fruit a tree produces. I'll say that again. Jesus likened the human heart to a tree and the words of the mouth to the fruit a tree produces. That's why in Matthew 12, Jesus directed his words to a group of people who pridefully used their words to judge and demean others. They were known as the Pharisees. And he told them, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. So our words are like fruit. They display what kind of seed is truly given root to the tree of our lives. So what does your tree look like? What do your words convey? After all, our words can either hurt others or they can help others. 
And this is a good lesson for us all. But Jesus, he wasn't done. You see, his next words were spoken to powerfully convey just how deeply our own words can hurt us. Us. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You see, Jesus is saying that every day you have a choice about what kind of tree you're going to be. Either your words will show you've embraced the tree of life, or your words will show you've embraced the tree of death. And if you try to speak in both ways, a little life over here, a little death over there, well, you may be able to fool your neighbor for a little while, but you will never fool God. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Now, given the context, I think it's more important to really understand what's Jesus really saying here, the audience, what's going on? First of all, he's not saying that your words will condemn you to hell. Because due to our sin, we all struggle with the use of our words from time to time. Jesus was saying to that audience, and it applies to us, he's saying that your heart can condemn you to hell. If your heart rejects Jesus and your words out of your mouth then really speak ill of Jesus and against him, hell will be the outcome. The bottom line, though, is no matter if someone accepts Jesus or rejects Jesus, all will be held accountable for the use of our words. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So Jesus wasn't mincing any words when it comes to the use of our words. But do we take our words as seriously as he does? See, often when people say things they know is a bit bold, you know, they're a bit cutting, a bit crass, they'll follow it up with some other words you most likely heard in our culture before. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not long ago, Scott Simon, he's a writer for the NPR News, he wrote some words about the truth behind those words. He says, there is one phrase that I hear most every day that I don't like at all. I'm just saying. Its origins are murky. Some people swear they heard it in an early Eddie Murphy routine. Others insist that it dates from Seinfeld episodes. In any case, the roots of the phrase seem to be sitcom, not Shakespeare. I'm just saying. Saying, I'm just saying, puts a fire escape onto the end of a sentence. It lets you express a stern, even rude opinion, but not really. You're just saying. It invites the listener to discount what we've just heard, even as we're reeling from it. Friends, all I'm saying is that we seldom weigh the significance of what we are saying. For God, our words are not empty. Our words are not meaningless. Our words are not funny. And our words are not merely careless. For God, every word is worth a lot. And that's why the Bible says he is recording every single one of them. You see, in God's economy, our words are counted against us or for us, not because of their inherent value, but because of what they indicate. They show that we are either rooted in the tree of life or we are rooted in the tree of death. Last week, a mother right here at MCC, she wrote me, and she shared a story with me that I now share with you, and it relates significantly to the use of our words. She wrote, my son job shadowed the Cincinnati police in January. They see all kinds of things, and at age 15 years of age, he, during that week, he witnessed a suicide one day. 
He was riding with an officer and they got a call that a young man was making suicidal threats. They arrived to find him very agitated with a knife in his hand. The officers tried to approach him and he wasn't having it. After several minutes of talking, the boy put the knife to his throat and ran it across, collapsing immediately to the ground. They called an ambulance, and after he was loaded up and on the way to the hospital, it came over the radio that he had died en route. As you might imagine, my son was shaken to the core and had many weeks of PTSD symptoms. We had a lot of opportunity to help him process and to talk about where he believed God was in all of this and how he felt about watching something so awful happen. A few nights after the incident, he invited me into his room to talk. He laid in silence, and knowing he wanted to say something, I waited, praying I could stay awake just long enough to hear it. It was after 10 p.m. He started talking, and I asked him if he was angry or sad or, or scared. He said no. So I asked if he could describe how he felt. He said, Mom, everyone is important. Everyone is. We don't know if that kid was supposed to be a dentist or an astronaut or a teacher or what. Everyone is important, and we have no idea if a smile or saying something nice to someone could change their whole day. And maybe that would have helped that kid that day, and maybe it would have lifted him enough to not do what he did. Her 15-year-old boy is right. Our words are worth a lot. They either stem from the tree of life or the tree of death. In light of this, hear now the good news of the word of the Lord. Romans 10, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greeks. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. So how do we receive forgiveness for what we say? How do we receive eternal forgiveness for what we do, for all of our sins, by believing and confessing with our words. And when we do, the power of Jesus Christ makes it possible for us to go from the natural to the spiritual, from death to life, from hell to heaven. The tongue has the power of life and death. That's why throughout this series, we're gonna identify what words of death look like and sound like. That's next weekend, do not miss it. Bring people with you, it's that important. We're gonna talk about the excuses that we make to ourselves when we speak them. As the series goes on, we're also gonna identify words of life. And we're gonna identify how we glorify God when we use them and how we help others and heal others when we use them. So I'll say it again, don't miss a single weekend. I say this, friends, because our culture is reeling from the use of so many hurtful, careless words. They are spoken, they are tweeted, they are posted, and the hurt is everywhere. It's everywhere. So I have to ask, 
Are your words somehow there in the mix? Trees, words, life and death. Our words are worth a lot. So given this, may we all pray now from our hearts with the use of our words. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you. You often love us despite us. And we thank you that you have given your word to us, your words to us, words of life. Lord, help us to embrace those words. Help us to speak with those words. As you know, God, we live in a culture now that that not only permits harsh language and hurtful language and hate-filled language. It promotes it. It esteems it. It expects it. And the more people speak like this, the more they're urged on by the masses out there, whether online or in person, to, to use even more words and to speak even more harshly with more hate. This is our culture. This is the world in which we now live. And the death is everywhere. The pain is everywhere. But Jesus, you came that we may have life and have it to the full. And that includes then our words and how we speak words of life. So help us to speak those words. And forgive us when we speak those words of death. Lord, it's our desire, our heartfelt desire, that we will glorify you with what we do what we say. Christ, be glorified in us and through us. Be glorified with the use of our words. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.